We have Keith Smith joining us on the Locked On Hornets podcast to discuss the crazy offseason that's taken place in the NBA and what the Hornets could continue to do as the offseason goes along. Again, all today on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. <laughs> Thanks for making us your first listen. It's Locked On Hornets. Appreciate you hopping on with us once again, catching us wherever you get your podcast. I'm joined by Doug Branson, my co-host. I'm also joined by Keith Smith. You can follow him at Keith Smith NBA on Twitter, contributor to a ton of outlets. Also, you can go check him out on Twitter at Front Office Show, where he hosts a show that's also on YouTube, talking everything behind the scenes. Keith understands that stuff a lot better than I do, a lot better than Doug does, and that's why we have him on. So, Keith, Thank you so much, man. How are you holding up in this crazy I'm doing, off season? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah it's been a uh, it's been a uh, prolonged off season. It seems like, and it doesn't seem like it's going to uh, slow down anytime soon. We still have Kevin Durant. Who knows what's going to happen there? We still have Kyrie Irving. Now Donovan Mitchell looks like Danny Ainge and the Jazz. They're listening now. They're picking up the phone. They're not ignoring your phone calls and sending <laughs> you to voicemail anymore. And because of that, I want to start there. That's kind of been reported the last couple of days that they're listening to some of those offers. I know the Knicks are the team. They're the team most mentioned with a potential Donovan Mitchell deal. Keith, I want to start with like the sender package to go get them because when the Jazz traded Rudy Gobert that package was insane shocking the NBA do we use that as an accurate barometer as far as what it would get to or what it would take to get Donovan Mitchell or is that just like so much of an outlier is that so bizarre that it really doesn't accurately represent what the Jazz are looking for like how do we make sense of what they got in return for Rudy and how we can attribute that to what they are looking to get for Donovan Mitchell that's a great question I I think we are at a point where the jazz are going to use that as their barometer, whether or not that's how it actually plays out. We'll see. <laughs> right. Because I think they're going to be saying, Hey, we got all this for Rudy Gobert. This is Donovan Mitchell, you know, all-star, you know, level guy, guy, everybody loves, you know, we, we need to make this move even bigger and we'll see if that's where that goes. Now, all trades aren't created equal. All, all trade packages and returns aren't created equal, obviously. But I think Danny Ainge, when he, took over that team i said if they flame out early in the playoffs again i'm not going to be surprised if he tears this thing all the way down and when he tears it down he's going to tear it all the way down to the studs and start completely over even when he did that in boston he they everybody was like well rajon rondo's the young guy they're going to build around he made it all the way till about mid-january so yeah he's gonna do everything he can and yeah i think if he's got a team that's willing to give him four or five, six first round picks, young players, whatever it is, salary cap flexibility moving forward. I do think he's going to be all over. I that. mean, does that put them kind of in OKC range? I mean, if they get all of this with Rudy Gobert and then we're going to also have this crazy package for Donovan Mitchell, it seems like those two teams would be rivaling each other for the most amount of assets to try to build for the future. Yeah. And the funny thing is some of the picks they'd probably get from the Knicks were ones that OKC had just uh, you know a few weeks ago and traded to the Knicks and the draft day dealings that uh, went along as they moved up to get uh, Usman Jang. So that is, you know, likely to be you know, some of those picks moving around a little bit there. So, yeah, I think that's uh, Danny Ainge's MO has been get all the draft picks, whether you use them all or not, you just pile them all up and then we move forward from there and see where that goes. 
All right, uh, Keith. Do, well, I, so- I, I have a question. I have a question on this. So, um, Keith, I, I'm old enough to remember. I know you are. I don't know about Walker. You can see his fresh face. He's pretty young. But I'm <laughs> I'm old enough to remember when when Danny Ainge fleeced the Brooklyn Nets and, and got a bunch of picks back and rebuilt that organization. And, and I feel like after that went so wrong for Brooklyn that a lot of teams pulled back on the idea of giving so many picks away for big stars. But that seems to be all out the window now. Atlanta did it for DeJounte Murray, and Minnesota obviously did it for Rudy, and people are considering doing it for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, What's your kind of read on the situation? Why are franchises uh, more likely now to, to do something like that? Yeah, I think there is a sense that the league is so flush with talent that you can go get that talent now, and you don't necessarily, if you're the right type of team and market, Building through the draft isn't something you need to do. Uh, we've seen Miami for years basically say, eh, who cares about the draft? It does not really a thing for us. Now, when they do use their picks, they tend to hit, they get Tyler Hero, they get Bam out of bio, they do quite well. Um, but you know, more often than not, they've traded those picks, they've moved them on uh, in deals. We've seen the Clippers do that to, to some degree of success. So I think that's what you're starting to see now is some of these teams say, hey, you know, we're you know, this type of team, we we can go get this player now, go get the player. We can worry about all the picks and all that uh, later because our you know, goal is get talent now. We'll let the rest of it sort itself out. All right, Keith, help Doug and I out because we've been talking about the Hornet spin on this as it pertains to Donovan Mitchell, where Doug is all in. Let's go for Donovan Mitchell. And I, I'm, I'm all out. I'm, you know, four first round picks. We'll go ahead and get this star, put him alongside LaMelo. And I wouldn't be opposed to it. Like, I'm much more sitting the fence, giving you the neutral, wow. boring take of, hey, watch <laughs> out for the risk here. I'm pretty scared. The question to you, with the Hornets in mind, do you think that they're in a spot right now where it's okay to make that jump for Donovan Mitchell? Or even just maybe a better question is, are they in a position to where they could give up all the picks, whatever it would take to get that caliber player? Yeah, I... I think they're close. I, mm. I think if, if the, the, you know, as long as you still have LaMelo and you still have, you know, some of the other guys that you like um, there uh, with, with the team, I think you, you can't gut your team and just have LaMelo and Mitchell and then I uh, will figure out the rest because it's, they're not that kind of free agent destination where it's, you know, guys are going to flock there or anything like that. So that becomes a little bit of an issue with that side of it. But as long as you leave enough in reserve around those two guys, sure. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think you're in a, definitely in a position where you could, um, you know, try to do that. The challenge is what, well, what does that mean? Is that Terry Rogier and PJ Washington and a bunch of picks to match the salary? I can't imagine it's Gordon Hayward. I don't think the jazz want to want to go back down that path again so that doesn't seem overly likely i mean danny Ainge did sign him once so i guess don't rule out anything but i just don't think that's the way that's going to go so that's where it becomes a little bit of a challenge it's it's interesting to me with donovan mitchell and kevin durant very kind of polar opposite ends of their career right but two very super duper talented guys i think what you have to look at a little bit is it's fine to say like I'll use an example with the Boston Celtics and the Kevin Durant talks. If it was Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant straight up, I think I'd probably do it. When it becomes Jalen Brown plus, 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 that's where it all falls apart. It's that plus, plus, plus. They have to be super cautious of because if that happens, you're going to be in a lot of trouble if the player doesn't stick and it doesn't work out because then you're now you're out everything and you're out the player you gave up and it all starts to crumble on you pretty quickly.
you have to be confident that Donovan Mitchell can come in and, and fit. And I'm I'm confident enough that he's so uber talented that the organization and, and you're pairing him next to LaMelo Ball, who is somebody mm-hmm. that is playmaker first, scorer second. Um, so I, and I he's think he's got it, the size, right, too. So Mitchell being a smaller guard doesn't really hurt you. Right. Well, Keith, Keith, help me out just very briefly before we move on, because there have been some comments in our comment section essentially saying that Terry Rozier and Donovan Mitchell, that there's not much of an upgrade there. Can you help? Can you help some people out and just let them know? Like Donovan Mitchell is actually a pretty serious upgrade. Look to the goal. The the goal. <laughs> yeah, there's the pop. He's told you he wants attention this morning. He wants to be involved in everything. Wait, what are your thoughts um, on Terry Rozier? Yeah, let's yeah, get it. Pop. I love that idea. Look the at Pop's that. name is actually Tatum, so he's probably got some basketball <laughs> thoughts. Yes, I'm um, on that. So, um, with uh, with with the um, that comp. I, I'm a big Terry Rozier guy. I think he's really good. But Terry Rozier is really good if he's your third, fourth, fifth best player. Right. Donovan Mitchell is really good if he's your first or second best player. You're right. probably a really good team. And I think that's just the difference. Mitchell is a more pure scorer than Rozier is. Rozier's a better defender, for sure. He's a better rebounder. Mitchell's probably a better playmaker overall when you factor in the passing and the scoring combination. But he's just such a lift as far as that. Plus, he's also a guy, if you start a team where it's LaMelo Ball and Donovan Mitchell, then, like I said, they're not a a prime free agent market. But if it's the summer like this one, where there wasn't a lot of cap space and wasn't you know a ton of stars, you could start picking off those tier two free agents and say, "Hey, we got a minute. We got minutes here. We got a role for you. You know, come here and join this." So yeah, I mean, it's I love Terry Rozier, but Donovan Mitchell's just on a different. Don't go to sleep on the all right. Let's change yet. topics. Coming up next after the break, BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's Major League Baseball regular season bet online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information including live betting esports and scores head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online where the game starts more keith smith coming up next locked on hornet you are listening to the locked on hornets podcast thoughts on the news about cody zeller's injury that's a tough one man i mean what the Dude. He's just injured, man. It's, it's okay. okay. It's Look, just, you know, he's injuries just happen. To deal with an injury. He didn't want <laughs> to get injured, okay, David? But, uh, Sorry, guys. I just had someone jump out in front of my vehicle. That's uh, That was understandable. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Renaissance Man contributing to a lot of outlets but Keith I got to be honest with you when I think about having you on the show and like our conversations over the years there's two things that stick out most one it's something I'm sure a lot of people have talked to you about it's the fact that you were the originator of the idea to have the NBA play in the bubble down at (laughs) Disney World that you were the first one that you have props over that and it's still mine like that's an actual thing where the association adopted your idea that's really cool the other thing I think of too is this anniversary, four-year anniversary, just took place like as we were transitioning to June, where the Brian Colangelo burner Twitter accounts, that story broke like four years ago. And those burner accounts interacted with you as much as any NBA personality out there. I like you were constantly in contact <laughs> with it because they would just comment on any of the tweets that you would throw out there. Like how bizarre was that time after that story broke? And then your example is like posted in the ringer. Some of your tweets, like how bizarre was that for you to go back and see? 
Yeah, it was weird. I had a couple <laughs> people ask me, like, did you know anything about that? And I was like, no, I just assumed this person was a you know, real passionate defender of, you know, the process <laughs> yeah. and, you know, the way it was going and, you know, that, you know, the, the new process, I guess, not the hinky side of it. So, yeah, because I think the most famous one was something where I said, you know, hey, Joel Embiid's really good, but can you count on him, you know, with the injuries? Or it was something along those lines. And I was like, yeah, this is exactly right and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, that's uh, – it does always make me laugh a little bit when somebody brings that one up. Well, you have to be careful with how you treat the commenters. Any commenter could be a Terry Rozier burner, could yeah. be a Leangelo Ball burner. You just never know. Got to be careful. I, I feel good about our Terry Rozier comments right now. Keith said he really liked Terry. So if he's listening, too. if he's commenting in the Donovan's YouTube a different comments, player. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I feel, I think we feel uh, good about that. I want to ask you about the DeAndre Ayton process before we maybe move on to some other Hornets specific offseason stuff, Keith. Kind of weird there, right? The Pacers only gave a offer sheet for the second time in, in the last 40 years to DeAndre Ayton. And then 30 minutes after it was officially completed, the Sun actually match that offer sheet and eventually end up giving DeAndre like two million less per year than what it would have taken had you just taken care of this all in the first place what do you make of this mess like you know is, is it all Phoenix's fault do you have some sympathy because of you know like do you understand some of their feelings on this just well, what are your overall thoughts on what's taking place yeah, I like that you called it a mess because that's what I think it is. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I think it's, you know, this is one where I didn't understand the reluctance from the beginning. I thought uh, they should have got something done with DeAndre and right away. I, I think DeAndre is good. You know, I, th I think, you know, you went to the finals with this guy is a massive part of your team to make it to the finals. Like, like, why are we now messing around with, you know, maybe we, we don't really want him. You know, maybe he's not that kind of guy. So that, that always felt a little bit off to me. Then the whole idea of this wasn't the typical, we're offering you less. So go out and get an offer sheet and then maybe we'll think about matching it. This was literally you sign an offer sheet and we're going to match it. Well then just give them the same offer yourself and move on and save everybody the trouble. I didn't understand that when we heard the Pacers stuff and I want to say it was in the afternoon on uh, Thursday, I thought it was leading to, all right, we're going to get a sign and trade here. This is going to be how this goes down. That's how the Pacers prefer to do business. They don't like doing offer sheets. They'd rather just work a sign and trade. But then when the reporting came out of like Phoenix is going to match. And then they, they did when it all played out. I, I don't know. I just feel like this is not, now you've got a player who you, in my opinion, treated poorly. Um, yes, sure. He got more money than I'll ever see in my lifetime, but it is, you know, he is, still got less money than he could have otherwise, whether direct from you or potentially down the line from another team. But yeah, it's just a weird situation. I'm going to, I'm going to have a lot of eyes on that when they you know, report to training camp here in a couple months. Like, what does that all look like? Because it just seems a little off. Everything seems a little off, especially for a team that's a title contender built around in a lot of ways, an older guy in Chris Paul, you think you want to maximize that window versus introducing any kind of unnecessary drama into it. The, you know, some of the worst bosses that I've ever had in my life all had one common trait, and that was that they all had to see something to believe it. They could never just take data and analyze it and say, oh, yeah, I can anticipate that this is this is a poor thing to do or a poor decision. And uh, they, they always had to run into the brick wall to believe it was there. And I think 
you know, we've got enough evidence that Robert Sarver may be a bad boss, like a particularly bad boss. Maybe. Yeah. And so I think I think this uh, situation just got, you know, because he was the one that, you know, said to DeAndre Ayton, he didn't believe that he was a max player. It's like, well, now believe it, because yeah. Indiana obviously valued him as a max player. Uh, so let's let's talk about some of the stuff that the Hornets have done this offseason and well, they haven't done a lot so we don't we don't have a ton to talk about but one of the things that they did do is re-sign uh, Cody Martin to a an extension uh, an eight uh, eight million dollars per year over four years did you like that move is that is, is that amount of money something that you know for a guy who can come in 3d uh, fill in for a starter every once in a while is that kind of the money that that you expect for that kind of player right now I think it's a great deal for Charlotte. I think if anything, that's a little under uh, what the market is for a three and D player. I think uh, circumstances different with his twin brother because the Heat could only offer him what the max amount that they gave him by the taxpayer mid level. But I think those two guys, you know, it's been very funny to watch them both grow and blossom into. Now I feel like they're both very high quality three and D wings in the league, and whether you're going to uh, you know have them be a major part of your team team or they're going to be part of a trade package down the line either way that that's a player who combined with the contract that's value for you the rest of the way so yeah i love that deal that's a that's actually one of my uh, more favorite deals of the offseason because i just think he's a guy who you can just plug him in in almost any grouping and say just do do your thing play defense shoot threes run the floor and he's going to be able to do that. It it falls apart, obviously, if it turns into handle the ball and make a bunch of plays, and that gets a little wonky. Mm-hmm. But they've got the ball handers. They've got the playmakers. They just play, play your role, and off you go. And I think at a position of need for Charlotte, too, it was important to retain him. Keith, the thing I assume affected the Charlotte Hornets greatly was the fact that Miles Bridges, just a couple of weeks ago, turned himself in to be arrested for a felony domestic violence charge. And he was set to make... Uh, close to max contract and the Charlotte Hornets. I think we all kind of expected that the Hornets were going to match whatever offer sheet was coming his way, whether it be, you know, you know, any team out there, the Hornets were going to match. And it was just how brutal that was going to be. Hadn't happened because we don't know all of the details. We did see the Michelle Johnson post, who is his wife, who put the medical report, who also had some things to say about her own accounts with her react or interactions with Miles Bridges that are extremely troublesome. And the court date is going to happen in five days, July 20th. And by that time, we're already very much through the NBA offseason, very much so through free agency. You know, look, I, I don't. I don't quite know what question to ask as far as the Charlotte Hornets operations, right? Because this is something I don't know how you would operate under these circumstances. I guess my question to you is, did you expect the Hornets to do something after Miles Bridges turned himself in for this arrest? How did you expect them to kind of navigate what they're going through right now? I think it's played out mostly the way I expected it to from the Hornets side, Um, taking the basketball abilities out of the equation because if that was the situation obviously great player right we're 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 i'd have no problem with him getting a max deal ideally i'd like it a little bit under that but that's a whole other situation with the situation he's in um with the 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 allegations and all that that are going to come out um i expected one of two results either hornets were going to completely cut ties fully Mm -hmm. and say we're done we have seen teams in whether it be the nba the nfl major league baseball uh, do that in the past or it was going to be 
we're going to let things play out. We'll see where this goes. We'll let the legal process kind of run its course, and then we'll see where we're at there. Um, some people, I think, were surprised that the Hornets did not pull his qualifying offer, um, which is that's that standing one-year offer that he has that he could sign at any point. That doesn't surprise me because that still allows them to kind of keep control of things right now um, a little bit. And in that, to some extent, if, he, if they just pulled that, he became an unrestricted free agent. You might have a team of the other 29 that says, hey, we'll make him an offer and we'll deal with whatever the fallout is public relations wise and you know legally we'll handle all that as it comes right now because of his restricted status you've kind of left him in a limbo where no one's going to jump no one's going to do anything and that's probably the best for all all parties involved let the legal process play out and see where it goes um with that it it certainly doesn't look good now you know i'm getting into my own opinion on all this um it doesn't look great and you know if if, if any of this comes out to be true and there's not more to the story and it happened the way it is then he has no business being anywhere near a basketball court or a contract or anything like that but we have a process in this country where we let things play out you know it's innocent till proven guilty let's see where all this goes together with this and then and we'll see but yeah for now i think i think it's it's unfortunate on a lot of levels taking it back to the strictly the basketball operations side it's unfortunate for the hornets because i'm sure they had a plan for their off season and this was not part of it right so now you had to on the fly let's see what we have to do and to some extent they're a little bit stuck because you can't i mean you could you could completely move on and say we're done we're we're cutting ties we're getting out of this um but if it comes out later of hey it wasn't what it looked like it was did you act too quickly too harshly uh too reactionary to that or you know the the other way is or we just waited out and that's where they're at now and they maybe have not made some moves not done some other things because they're waiting to let this play out there that's um you know it's 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 one of those things where it's it's a uh, you know it doesn't do it justice to say it's not good at all for anybody involved in this situation yeah, it's, it is difficult because as an organization, it, it's not you have a public relations universe to also, and that universe does the public relations universe. The the court of public opinion does not abide by the 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 United States courts, you know. So right. the, they they there's also a risk in waiting too long, and and I think that's why you've heard some whispers about this July twentieth court date. The information that comes out via that um, maybe being a marker as to. Uh, when uh, they the organization could possibly act, because if you let this continue to play out um, and and it looks worse and worse, then then people will start to question why why you waited so long. Um, my my question would be just a clarification on on how this could all play out, which is so they they missed the deadline or they didn't miss it, but they didn't take they didn't pull the qualifying offer within the deadline where they could just pull it and nothing happens. Um, what, what would happen, what would have to happen now, you know, if they wanted to pull that qualifying offer? Yeah. Miles Bridges and his representatives have to agree, uh, to that. Um, we often see this happen when it is a case of, uh, yeah, you've got a better offer somewhere else. You know, it's generally more a lower end free agent, um, where it's all right. The team's going to give you part of an exception or whatever. We're only looking at a minimum deal. We'll pull the qualifying offer as a uh, symbol of goodwill and we'll move on um in these situations you know here it's a kind of the two big restrictive free agents left on the board are miles bridges and colin sexton um neither one of their teams is likely to pull it um 
because just again, then they lose control of the process. But if they, if the Hornets decided today, tomorrow, or sometime after the court day, Miles Bridges has to agree. At that point, you would assume that they would just because, all right, we're going to try to whatever comes after whatever punishment or trial or whatever is handed down. We're going to try to um, get a fresh start here and go in that direction. I think they would agree to it, but that is the process. They do have to uh, agree to say, yes, we're going to agree to pull that because he loses his ability to sign that qualifying offer. As it stands today, he can say he can sign it, you know, at any moment if he wants to. And then it's a one year deal uh, to return back to the Hornets. Keith, we appreciate your time. We appreciate Tatum's appearance. We appreciate everything you do. Thanks once again. Follow Keith Smith on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. Go watch his front office show. You get a way better understanding of everything basketball related, including behind the scenes. Keith, thanks once again. We really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We'll come back. We'll talk about some of Keith's thoughts as it pertains to the Charlotte Hornets and then move on discussing their summer league game last night. One very good against the Chicago Bulls. We'll be back to recap that coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Awesome stuff there from Keith understands the CBA like he and Bobby Marks are the dudes I go to when it comes to like CBA stuff when it comes to how free agency plays out all the money that that's that's the guy to go have on and i appreciate his time he's our charles schwab he's our nba financial (laughs) advisor that he really helped us out as far as the trade package for donovan mitchell too right like that's been a hot topic you know it who knows how realistic it is that the charlotte hornets would actually have a chance at landing donovan mitchell but i know that was something we talked about yesterday doug and he was kind of i don't know if it's in the middle but he was saying yeah you can go after donovan mitchell if you can keep some reserves but you don't want to completely gut your team in order to do it and have only those two guys because I don't know what kind of situation you're going to be contending for the postseason right like it's it's nuanced it's really tough it's why I'm having trouble wrapping my brain around going after Donovan Mitchell hell or high water Uh, you wanted to talk about the Gordon Hayward Terry Rozier going out package a little bit more so I know when Keith talked about how maybe Utah wouldn't want to have a, a reunited theme with Gordon Hayward yeah, I'm I'm less sure about that because I, I think it's so many things are different in that organization, uh, both in the front office. Obviously, the coach is different now. There's so many different things that I don't know how Gordon really necessarily feels about his time in Utah. Maybe there's some issue there, but I but I think that from the organization standpoint, I, I don't I don't know that there's going to be much of a hang up there. To me, the Gordon Hayward contract, if you're going to take back any contract from the Charlotte Hornets to that that you would need to make it work, that would be more desirable because the years are less. Terry Rozier mm-hmm. is out for another uh, few seasons. And so uh, I, I think that that would more align with what it seems like Utah is doing, which is full rebuild. Now, the counter argument to that would be, okay, maybe they take back Terry Rozier if they could get someone of value like P.J. Washington. Maybe that's part of the – but, I, you know, if you're sending Donovan, if you're sending Donovan, who is going to be a perennial all-star – I just don't think you have to make any concessions as a team. You're just going to get whatever you want. So I, I don't, yeah, I think it's, to me, I, I'm less sure about the whole Gordon versus Terry situation. Unless Utah values Terry Rozier, you know, Maybe. like I, that. No, you're right. But no, I totally, I totally get it. I think honestly, it comes down to a very simple question. Which contract is better? Oh, I can get off of Gordon Hayward's contract in two years. Good. Like it, it almost might just be very simply about the length of the contracts when you know Utah isn't planning on being good for the next two seasons. It's not like Gordon Hayward's contract is going to it's going to prohibit them from going after a free agent to help them win and so this is the classic let's take on money, take on all of your picks and I mean we're 
we they don't even have to take on money though you know like they only have to do that to match the salary of one donovan mitchell they don't have to take any excess and maybe gordon hayward could be that and then be off of the books very simply so i agree with you i think that uh there'd be a shot there um okay let's talk about this summer league game yesterday against the chicago bulls you know we had our one moment doug that came against one yeah. yeah that came uh i forget who even they played two days ago who who was it they beat <laughs> it was uh it was cleveland right so the cavaliers yeah yes. they beat the cavaliers they you need to cleveland. sign up for every hornets uh box then you can keep up with each game that the hornets have won and lost in summer league yeah every hornets there you go. That's the substack. Um, Cleveland, they beat them and then they lost the Chicago Bulls very much. So it's been an ugly summer league, except for that one moment where the offense looked pretty good defensively. They were getting stops. And then, you know, Chicago came out to an early lead and never relinquished it. What were some of your thoughts? What could we find on your Hornets substack? There still were some silver linings. I think, yeah, overall, it was an ugly game. They came out. They couldn't shoot the basketball. They weren't particularly interested in uh, defending all that well but I thought there were some highlights I liked what Kai Jones did in this game didn't necessarily fill up the box score uh, but he was providing energy uh, in that first quarter had that uh, huge recovery block into the transition dunk Uh, Mark Williams was guarding in space I don't know if you caught this Mm -hmm. but he got an opportunity now they've been dropping him a lot and and I expected that and that kind of tells you that in practice and what they've seen in scouting they don't want him guarding guarding in space a ton so they're going to drop him a lot but he did get an opportunity to go one-on-one guarding a guard and look his he was active uh had had the arms out footwork looked good and he stayed with that guard so I'm not saying that he's going to – you don't want him to do that all the time. Obviously, the organization doesn't. But he proved that in that one instance – he could do it, and that's. I think that's a positive to take away. Yeah, the idea is you want Mark Williams to not be so bad in space that he can play in the playoffs because the regular season, it's – it's. look, I'll keep going back to Rudy Gobert just because it's the most extreme example of that type of center. Rudy Gobert, even if it's overstated at times, even if they – you know, even if Quinn Snyder maybe could have made some adjustments defensively as to help Rudy Gobert – they they attacked him and they or they just you know spaced out and they were just staying away from him not attacking him but they were staying away from him right like can mark williams be out there on the floor defensively in crunch time in postseason minutes and like you just have to be good enough to stay out there and i think that's what you kind of saw from mark williams um the other draft pick bryce mcgowan's it's been hot and cold for him you know that was not a great game (laughs) Yeah, that was not a great game. Let me a lot of missed shots. I think it was two for 14, but I'll I'll confirm that. Oh, Um, and to end up. No, I think he finished like four of 18 to finish the entire game. Yeah, maybe need to subscribe to my sub stack. Yeah, he ended up going (laughs) for four of 18. Bryce McGowan's was something close in that neighborhood. One of seven from three did did have 15 points. He got to the line a few times or six of seven from the line. So like if you walk away and just look at 15 points, you go, hey, that I mean, he led the team in scoring, but it was inc- it was not only inefficient. This this game really disappointed me from Bryce McGowan's because I, I thought it the last bad because so he's been on off on off essentially. He was off the first game, on the second game, off the or wait, I had that wrong. So he was on the first game, off yep. the second game, on the third game. Now he was off this fourth game. We knew coming in that Bryce McGowan's offense has been labeled as inconsistent, and that was one thing he was going to have to improve on. Um, in order to, you know, really secure like a roster spot rotation minutes in future years. Okay. So we knew that 
this slipped from inconsistent and inefficient into selfish, in my opinion. I thought his offense actively hurt the the team in this one. And so, you know, I thought there were opportunities for him to make plays for Mark. There was one particular transition opportunity that I mentioned in the in my game notes uh, that he had Mark Williams wide open. Would have been an easy dunk for Mark Williams. Instead, he was trying to get himself back into the groove and he took a contested layup that just had no chance of going in. Um, so, yeah, really disappointed with Bryce McGowan's in this one. Well, this is the problem with overreacting to a good game in summer league. Summer is saying, for feeling. I know it's so it's totally true. And I can't fault anybody for that. Hell, I was sitting here singing the praises of one Bryce McGowan's and it's we were totally ready to fine. give him a four year deal. No, no, I was not. <laughs> you were ready to put him on the roster right next to LaMelo. But it was a decent question because the Hornets haven't done anything right. Like they brought back Cody yeah. Martin. Good deal. Keith loved it. We came in and said it was totally fair. Both sides and welcome for the next four years years Cody um Bryce McGowan's was a guy that we were discussing whether we should take this two-way deal away from him and just give him an actual you know what you're on the 15-man roster and this is the problem right you said something there I thought was really important Bryce McGowan's actively hurting the offense how does Bryce help a team when his shot's not going in I don't think he does defensively he stand like I don't love his stance defensively, and it's coachable. But I feel like he's gets caught kind of standing straight up at times. You know, he has that bad habit of just kind of poking at the basketball, not getting, and then Olay's the guy right to the paint. Yeah, there's some, so Malik, some Malik Monk. Uh, give me some Malik Monk flashbacks. Well, and you know the the when I think of poking at the basketball, I think of Terry Rozier. Like it's a really bad habit. He lets his guy go by, he tries to poke at it, doesn't get it, and then you know you're playing. Actually, you know what? Five. I take that back. I take that back. Doesn't give me Malik Monk vibe. It gives me Dwayne Bacon vibes. That's exactly. Bacon, yes. Yeah. Yes. That's that's where I was going. You talk yeah. about actively hurting Dwayne Bacon only was there to help you get buckets, you know, and and he didn't like actively hurting the offense. Dwayne Bacon was the worst offensive player when we thought he was going to help the team out in like either the second or third year. And and it just never happened. The good the saving grace for Bryce McGowan's is that he did get to the foul line. So you're right. Like Dwayne Bacon had that weird thing where he he drove all the time and never got to the foul line. Very bizarre because physical would attack and never was fouled and couldn't convert at the free throw line. Bryce can like that's been there's been evidence at Nebraska. You just mentioned it last night. So you do have that saving grace. But the problem with giving this guy any real rotation minutes, any any you know real type of playing time, it's if he doesn't have his shot going for him, how does he help the basketball team? And I think the answer is he really doesn't right now. And that's okay. Second round pick, that's totally okay. On a two-way? But, but two-way deal, totally fine. I still think I still think he's he's in line. I mean, I I don't I'm not going to make a prediction, but I, I wouldn't be like shocked if after training camp the, the, or sometime during training camp they secure him to another deal and and move someone else into the the two way spot. Speaking of the two way spot, I thought in this game Brady Manick separated himself out a little bit from some of the other fringe players that we were talking about that are battling for two-way spots I think he he knocked down a few shots but he was also showing again I think he's been consistently showing us things that he can do that we weren't quite sure he could do is he going to be able to do them like at an elite level are you really confident about that no absolutely not but is it good enough in my mind to justify a two-way spot you know I think possibly if there's not someone out there that that is performing 
at a level better than Brady Manick uh, that can give you a little bit of something maybe more that you need because this this Hornets team probably is going to end up with enough shooting. Uh, then then maybe you go after that player if they're not going to make a roster somewhere else in summer league. But I thought Brady Manick uh, separated himself a little bit from the LJ Figueroa, who was milk carton game, completely absent. Tyshawn Alexander, I thought, played frustrated in this one, didn't really play well. Uh, Leangela Ball had three air balls. I mean, I you know, look, I, I it plays a lot of heart, plays with a lot of energy, made a couple of good defensive plays. Um, but you know, the 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 shooting, the shooting when it when he's facilitated for has been pretty good. But he takes these step backs and and sidesteps and airballs them, and I, I don't think he's done enough really to prove to me that he's ready for a two way spot. Who are you, who were you saying that to? Leangelo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, again, it, it goes down to who's hitting shots. And I, I do think that's probably true for Brady Manic, but the guy can hit, there's no doubt. I mean, that's a quick trigger. He gets set up for the basketball and then lets it fly and it goes in. He's an extremely good shooter and that's really helped him. A couple of other things. Mark Williams passing in this one was really good. I thought he found a couple of cutters in this game and um, yeah, underrated passer. I did not, yeah. I really didn't expect him to hit some of these passes, but here's one negative from Mark Williams that I think we have to keep an eye on Walker. And we've got another game coming up on Saturday. The final game will be 5 PM on Saturday against the Minnesota Timberwolves. That'll wrap up the summer league experience. I don't know if they'll even play Mark Williams. I, honestly, at this point, it's like <laughs> maybe we play some of these other cats that haven't had an opportunity yet and, and make sure that Mark Williams, doesn't get injured but uh, one thing that I think I'll need to see in training camp or preseason or, or what have you is when when Mark Williams put the ball on the floor more often than not bad things happened like and 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 he's had to because you know Jalen Crutcher had five turnovers in this game they just haven't really had him so maybe he doesn't have those opportunities to really do that a lot in the NBA but when he's that's got to be one of the things that develops over the next couple of years because he caught the ball wide open at the nail had an opportunity to just make one move put the ball down very quickly and go up and it was a turnover or a block shot he got blocked several times in this game so those kind of things concern me offensively for Mark Williams yeah yes the good news is we didn't want him putting the ball on the deck before he was drafted. Nowhere in the scouting right. report was there, hey, let's let Mark Williams cook on the elbow. Like, I, if, if he catches it on the elbow and he has some space, pop it, shoot it. If you have a pick and roll that could be set up there, roll to the basket and just go dunk it. And in no way am I actually wanting Mark Williams to put the ball on the deck. And so that's okay that he struggles because NBA rotation – a lot better passing, a lot better players, a lot better spacing, a lot better Mark Williams. It is okay. And it's, it, you're exactly right. It's okay because it was in the scouting report. But he's what, what I'm saying, ultimately, my take is Mark Williams is exactly what we thought he was. Nothing mm -hmm. more, nothing less. And that's why he fell to 13. We're getting a really good look at why he wasn't a top three pick with the physical tools that he has. He wasn't a top three pick because of these issues that what will separate now could Mark Williams still become something greater than this scouting report. Absolutely. That's the question over the next couple of years. Can he develop these parts of his game to become a little bit better? And, and that's, what's going to possibly get him into you know, all-star territory if those things to de are, will develop. And those are big ifs. Yeah, well, and I would say, you know, only to push back a little bit is that the thing that he has done better than the scouting report suggested was guarding in space that we just saw. That was something that he struggled yeah. with. Limited, then, well, I'll say limited sample size and limited talent. Oh, you know? of course. What, what, hey, what, what happens when he goes up said. against, you know, I'm, I'm throwing Schroeder your... or some, some other mid mid kind of guard? 
Oh no! So wait, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to put him. Why did Schroeder come to your? Mind? I don't know. Is this the first? The first kind of just like what? it's just the first like point guard who could dribble a little bit and make some moves. Like you know, that's okay. not an all star. Schroeder. <laughs> <laughs> like a mid. When I think of mid point guard, I my yeah. brain went. Schroeder. Okay. All right. No, that was quite the example to what go is to. Your, what is your? What is your? Okay. Okay. Mid yeah. mid guard. Go. What well, mid guard? Yeah, just like uh, mid, like middle middle of the road guard. I probably would have said mid guard. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I would have gone. <laughs> I don't know if I would have gone Schroeder. It's a good point. And I wasn't I trying. It wasn't like a yeah. you know, drive by on Schroeder. I'm just saying, like that to me, <laughs> he's like super. Like Schroeder is like the upgrade, the upgrade, the upgrade of what he's facing off against Summer League. I'm just trying yes. to bring some reality to this and tell you that DJ, uh, DJ, that Schroeder is going. DJ to, Augustine, maybe that's your guy. Uh, maybe there that's you go. He, hey, by yeah. the way, he's still a free agent. He's still out there. If the Hornets want to make a move, they're gonna do it. They're gonna bring him back. <laughs> Steve Clifford. Kimba, Kimba's still the, out there. <laughs> that's true. Should ask. Should ask Keith Smith about that. Yeah, that's absolutely true. We should have. Yeah, point being, Mark Williams showed us any guarding in space. That's good. And it's totally fine if you were to struggle there. So overall, pretty good summer league defensively for Mark Williams. And we'll see. We have one more game. We'll talk about it on that Monday following. Thanks again for hopping on with us on Locked On Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure your second listen is Locked On NBA. It's a 30-minute daily update when you check out Locked On NBA on the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a great weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday to recap the entire Summer League session. Denny. True.